This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome along to the latest Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I'm your host Matt Addison with Paul Gorse, Theo Squires and Charlotte Coates are all with me this afternoon on the final pod before Christmas. We're going to have a look back at the enthralling game with Leicester on Wednesday as the Reds progress to the Carabao Cup semi-finals where they'll take on Arsenal. And we'll have a bit of a chat about the postponement of the game with Leeds United on Boxing Day and what that means for Jurgen Klopp. Let's start, though, with the Carabao Cup. Liverpool got through, Gorsty. It maybe didn't look like that was going to be the case at half-time at Anfield, but three wise men came off the bench at half-time and got Liverpool through. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, at half-time, I was thinking Liverpool are 3-1 down here at Leicester and I'm thinking, we're going to see how, how much Klopp really wants to stay in this cup at half-time. Does he bring on... Kate and Jota, or does he just kind of accept it and think, well, I could do that headache of the fixture pile up and see if the lads who were out there could get back into it? And I think when he did make the change at half time, it was a bit of a statement um, that he wasn't just willing to bow out quietly and, and accept his fate. Um, and to be fair to the substitutes, they all contributed, didn't they? I thought Canate was superb at the back, uh, stopping Leicester's counter attacks that were, you know, cutting through Liverpool so easily in the first half with. Young Billy Cometti alongside a, a rusty Joe Gomez. So Canate made a big difference to that. Uh, Milner obviously got about the pitch, um, closed Leicester down, and um, probably um, give the pool a bit of you know a bit of a streetwise edge that they lacked in the first half. Certainly with Leicester taking the time over certain things and perhaps exaggerating one or two injuries, and they were just kind of looking to use all the tricks in the book to get over the line, and, and Milner. Saw through most of that, and then of course set up Minamino for the equaliser. Jota superb goal, um, his twelfth of the season, and Naby Keita I thought was best player in the second half, and he come on for Jordan Henderson. So um, every one of Klopp's subs have hugely contributed to it, and uh, I think what else helped as well was um, the fact that it was a Carabao Cup game. So usually if Liverpool are three-one down or three-two down in the Premier League. There's a little bit of frustration, a little bit of angst and a little bit of nerves in the crowd. The fact that it didn't really matter that they lost, you know, no one would have been too bothered. It just helped create this great atmosphere that helped the players massively and everyone was fully behind them and there was no no concerns and no worries and no what ifs. What if you lose this? Where does this leave us in the league and whatever? Everyone was just fully behind the players and, and they responded to it and it was one of the best atmospheres in ages, to be fair, and... and particularly second half, one of the best games I've been to in a while at Anfield. So, um, brilliant night. Been into the last four now against Arsenal next month. So, um, why not go and win it? Or go and try and win it? Yeah, absolutely. Plenty of, of positives to, to take after that second half, Theo. I thought Quivin Kelleher obviously was the, the shootout hero at the end, a couple of good saves there, but I thought he was was pretty good in the game as well. I know he obviously conceded three times, but it does just go to show you know, how important it is to, to have a goalkeeper you know, who's good with his feet, certainly to, to back up Alisson. I thought that was a big thing. How impressive do you think he was? And I suppose that the follow-up to that really is he's so good that at some point he's going to want it to be a regular goalkeeper, isn't he, for a Premier League team or, or somewhere, certainly abroad? Um, I'd imagine he had mixed feelings slightly because if you want to be harsh against him, you got fingertips to Vardy's first goal. The second goal, um, no, not the second, the third goal, sorry, Madison, there was some swerve on it, but it's like we were having this discussion in the in the press room at half-time, should he have done better for it? 
But taking those aside, and you can see top the top top keepers can see goals like that, so it's not being too critical against him. He made some fantastic saves. I think there was one against uh, Dewsbury Hall in the second half when he was like one on one and he tips it away. He had a few like that where he stood tall, put a strong glove to things and stopped Leicester running away with it. And he just seems so calm and composed. And Liverpool, they've had a number of talented young goalkeepers in the past who you just know that they're not going to make it because they're not going to get the opportunities to. Uh, the most recent one was what, Danny Ward. And I suppose it was a surprise that he was nowhere near that Leicester starting team anyway. But with Kelleher, it's like well, he seems to be reveling in this role, learning from Allison, And there haven't been any sounds yet of him wanting to leave. Um, I think when we spoke to Andy Lonergan a couple of years ago, he was saying the next step for him is to go out on loan. They, behind the scenes, they want him to go out on loan. But then in the meantime, he's just overtaken Adrian in the pecking order. It's like, well, he doesn't really need to because he still plays in the Champions League. He's played in the Premier League. He's played in the League Cup, um, played in the FA Cup. It'll be interesting to see what Klopp wants to do, whether it's going to be a case of what you see some sides do, where the reserve keeper is first choice throughout the tournament. Like We could be talking in six weeks' time of, or a month's time. Keller's got Keller's got a trip to Wembley to look forward to. So it's not going to be a case of him looking to get away in January or anything like that. But he's such a, a good number two. And he's Liverpool, especially when they brought in Tafarel, you could tell they want to have these talented young goalkeepers coming through and to have this door open. Because while they've got this impossible job of replacing Alisson or trying to get past Alisson in the pecking order, uh, Liverpool don't want to be spending £65 million on the next goalkeeper. They want to produce one of their own. And I think when they appointed Tafarel, Klopp went through the, some, a number of names. And it isn't just Keller there coming through the ranks. There's like Harvey Davis, Peter Luger, Jaros, I'm sure I'm missing a few here. There's a few that are sta- standing out. And it is just about who's in the right place at the right time. It would have been easy for Keller to maybe let his head drop a little bit, going, I'm not going to be first choice in this team. I've got Alisson ahead of me. But you can t- turn it into a positive. You're learning from the best in the world. You're learning from these goalkeeper coaches who have been in charge of the best in the world. And it isn't just at Liverpool with Alisson. It's with Tafarel, who has been in charge of Edison as well with Brazil. Uh, you can only get better and better. You think the goalkeeper's best years, well, uh, Keller is not going to be at his best for, what, another eight years, ten years? So it depends what he wants to do. If he wants to be patient, be at Liverpool, and then when he needs a season of first-team football, maybe go out on loan, he, he could be a, a long-term number one. But then you would think Alisson is still going to be there for the foreseeable. But at the moment, don't rock the boat. He, he's happy doing what he's doing. Liverpool are happy with what he's doing. Long may it continue, and hopefully in February, end of February, we'll have a, a League Cup winner's medal to his name. Um, wouldn't bet against him, would you? Because he has looked great, and if it goes to shootout again, you back him to be the hero in the shootout again because he's got form for saving the odd penalty. Uh, and you just fancied him whenever those players stepped up. Like He's so confident. So, yeah, Liverpool are doing something right behind the scenes. Long may it continue. Yeah, very much a Liverpool goalkeeper is Kelleher. At the other end of, of the pitch, Charlotte, Takumi Minamino is someone that we have to, to talk about. It was a, a strange game for him. He didn't do much. Then he scores a brilliant goal and then misses a penalty. It was kind of a little bit like his Liverpool career as a whole, really, in one game where he does some good bits, some not so good bits. And you just want him to kick on and, and just put a couple of those good bits in succession. But it just doesn't quite happen for him. Yeah, it's a it's a strange one with Minamino because I feel like everyone expects much more from him, but at the end of the day, they only paid about seven million for him. So what he's done and what he's doing is that I feel like Liverpool are getting the money's worth. Um, in that game, he didn't. I mean, you say he didn't particularly do much, and there were times where you wanted more from him, but he still got a goal and an assist. So 
uh, from from an attacking player. I mean, he scores scores it ninety fifth minute to keep keep Liverpool in it. So as an attacking player, if Salah comes off and he's got a goal and an assist, we're all saying, oh, what what game he's had and like he's added to his tally. But I feel like with Minamino, because obviously he is competing for a place against Mane, Firmino, Jota, Salah. Everyone wants more from him in a way, but I feel like he is—he's kind of doing what what Klopp probably wants from him at the moment. Is when he's being asked, when he's playing from the start, is he seems to be scoring? Has he got five goals this season? I think something like that. And so it's like when, like, if you're being thrown on at the end of a Premier League game, it's tough, isn't it? You get ten minutes, or like it's hard to make an impact straight away. But when when he's being asked to start, he's he comes up with the goods and I feel like he's the expectation for him is just people are wanting more, but I don't know. Yeah, it's like there are unrealistic expectations at times. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, I know he's sort of spoken a little bit about his frustrations in the last couple of days at maybe not playing more, but it doesn't, to me anyway, feel like he's he's that much closer to getting regular football. At, at the other end of the pitch at centre-back, Gorsty, Joe Gomez looked a little bit rusty, like you said. Obviously, he's yeah. another one that will want to get more minutes in the second half of, of the season. I'm sure he will do. Obviously, there's been injuries and, and mitigating circumstances for why he's not been in there. But what did you make of, of him on Wednesday? Yeah, I thought it was a tough evening for him, really, wasn't it? He was uh, in the side alongside Billy Cometio, who was making his senior, full senior debut, I think. Um, he only started the game in the Mitchell, or come off the bench in Mitchell and didn't he? So you've always got to keep an eye on your, your partner when you're the senior centre back in, in the partnership. And it was his first game for what? I think it was the end of, in fact, it was the previous round actually against Preston. That was his last start, and that was the. 27th of October, I think. So it's been a while since he's been in the team, close to two months. And it, it did show a little bit, um, obviously up against Vardy. Uh, it was a strong rest of the team as well, wasn't it? Let's be fair, Vardy, Madison, Tielemans, all providing an attack and threat. And obviously, Pat and Dakar, who they've signed in the summer. So um, it was always going to be difficult for him. But I, I just I think it really was tough for him in the second half. You know, I've seen him rushing out a couple of times from his position that didn't really need to do and Leicester got in a couple of times. I think Jewsby Hall nearly scored. Keller made a good save there. And yeah, it wasn't um wasn't as fine as nice, but um I suppose that is the case with, with centre backs. You need you need the rhythm, you need this the continuity and the stability um to show your best form. And he's probably not going to be playing every week, is he, with the competition that he's got at the moment with Matter, who hasn't brobroken down yet, and obviously Van Dyke and Canate, who really seems to be in form at the moment. So, um, yeah, it was a difficult night for him. He'll have better games, I'm sure. But um, the big plus point for him is Liverpool got through. So now he's pretty much nailed on to start that Arsenal game, isn't he? Or both Arsenal games, possibly against Shrewsbury as well. So um, hopefully he'll be able to find that rhythm over the next you know month or so. It yes. didn't help him that he was alongside Cometio because you look at the back four, it looked like a back four that hadn't played together before. Mm-hmm. And that's because it's a back four that hadn't played together before. I was saying Cometio's first start, I know Klopp was very um, positive about him in pre-season last year, but he, he hasn't been in the mix since then. He's He had that game in the Champions League and he was only really on the bench last season when numbers were really depleted because he saw Nat Phillips ahead of him in the pecking order. He saw Reese Williams ahead of him in the pecking order. He's still a very young raw lad 
And you know what Leicester are going to offer when you've got Dakar and Vardy. They were always just going to do those long balls over the top and the through balls and get in behind. Now, Gomez is used to being in a high Liverpool defensive line with Van Dijk alongside him. But it's very important for him to stay in line and play offside. But with the back four, that they were being left on their own with the fullbacks getting forward. And he, he wasn't in line with Kometio and whether it's communication there or they just haven't played together before. And that's what caught them out. If he'd been playing alongside a Matip or a Van Dijk, you'd have had a, a much more comfortable evening's work because you've got that relationship there. You can be critical on him because he's the senior centre-back and you want him to show that bit more, show that leadership. He's had the armband in this competition so far this season, but it's not really happened for him yet this year. Like, yeah, he's had a couple of games at centre-back in the League Cup, but I think when he's come on in like the Premier League or the Champions League, he's been playing at right back. He just needs to find his rhythm. And as Gorsi said, well, you've got these Arsenal games, you've got this Shrewsbury game. Hopefully that is the opportunity to, for him to find some rhythm. Um, it's been unfortunate for him because in the past, we've always said it about whoever's been Van Dijk's centre-back partner, they get the shirt because the other two are injured and then they don't let it go until they get injured themselves. And now that he's not getting that opening, and while Matip and Van Dijk have been able to play their way back into form after their own injuries, he's not had that opportunity. But there was the um, the Christmas videos, wasn't there, with the, the first-team squad when they were having the, the virtual calls with all the, the kids at uh, Old A. And when you got Van Dijk saying, these two are my replacements, and Canate and Gomez, that's a bigger call of faith. Like, just because he's not playing games, as long as he's patient, Liverpool should be right to keep a lot of faith in Joe Gomez because he is an exceptional player. He just needs a bit of luck. Um Half of his Liverpool career, he's been very unlucky. The other half, he's won trophies. We we know his talent. When he gets that run of games, he's sure he can prove himself again. Um, but there is that bit more frustration for him when it's like, when is that opportunity going to come? Because three games in domestic cups isn't the same as in the past, where he's had that run in the first team in the Premier League because Matip or Lovren have got injured. And of course, John, he's still only 24 as well. I think we, we do forget that sometimes because he's been here so long. He's still got a long way to go. And, and like Theo says, the, the next question I was going to ask you really was about that future of, of him and Canate together. It That's got to be the plan, hasn't it, for Liverpool? Just because he's not playing now doesn't mean that you know in two or three seasons' time that will still be the case. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think it is easy to forget how how just how young he is because he's been at the club since... Was he 17? And he basically came straight into the side at left back. Um, but what he's achieved in the game, winning the Champions League, winning the Premier League, and he just, it is, it's very easy to forget how young he is. And especially in that position where you don't really peak until you're about 30, 31, 32, maybe. The fact that he's got so many years ahead of him and he's got a ready made partner already at the club in Canate, as Van Dyke said. So if, if you go on as you just like he has been really unfortunate with injuries and he probably feels he should be starting for England and possibly for Liverpool alongside Van Dyke, but it's just one of them where you've got to be patient and he's young enough, he's not wasting his career or anything. He's he's learning at Liverpool and he can build a partnership with Canate behind the scenes and in training and then when the time's right, he's the ready made. Yeah, it could be a, a big year for him, as you say, with the World Cup. He certainly should be in England's centre-back pairing for me, at least. Whether that is the case or not, we'll see. But uh, Naby Keita, Gorsty, you mentioned him before. I wanted to have a word on him as well. Like you, I, I thought he was absolutely exceptional. And it's exactly what we want to see from him, isn't it? Direct, physical, powerful. This is the Naby Keita that Liverpool will want to see more regularly. It is, yeah. And, and to be fair to him, when, when he's actually played this season, he's been really good. Um, it was obviously 
superb at Old Trafford before Paul Pogba took him out. And um, just whenever he's, he's been able to get on the pitch, he has been really, really good. And obviously, the caveat with Keita is always, but you can't get him on the pitch anywhere near as much as you'd like. Um, I think that's just something you might have to accept with Mabby Keita, sadly. But the good thing is, is when he, he is on the pitch, when he is playing, you know, you're going to get a performance out of him at late. So, um, yeah, it's, um, it was a, a really strong 30 minutes from him coming off the bench for, for Jordan Henderson on Wednesday night. He was lively, he got on the ball, he created, he drove forward. And there was um, a passage of play in the second half when um, it was kind of looked like he was running down a blind alley and he had about three Leicester players chasing him. And he just stopped, did like a little bit of a step over and changed direction and just completely opened the play up. And Liverpool, were, you know, carrying on the attack. Um, just a lovely bit of play. And yeah, long may I continue. Um, you know, we're catered at the latest injury. He's probably not too far away. But while he's fit, um, let's enjoy him. And um, hopefully... Um, can he get knocked out as quickly as possible in the Africa Cup of Nations and he's back on their side you know, for a busy January? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's really promising and really exciting, Theo. Obviously, it comes with the caveat of the injuries. We know the situation. We know how much he's been out. But when you see a game like that, I came away thinking, well, if we could just see that, you know, twice a month even, if you get a navigator of, of that, even just twice a month, that would be a massive, massive thing for Liverpool to have within their squad. It almost looked like it was a change of attitude for him or mentality, like he had nothing to lose. So he almost didn't care. He didn't, not in a bad way, as in he didn't have that pressure on his shoulders. He could just go out and play. And if Liverpool got knocked out, it wasn't because of him. It's because they were 3 1 down at half time. Um, and it allowed him to play his natural game. And it's like he's probably fed up of all the injuries. He's fed up of the outside talk and everything. And we know he's a talented player. He just needs those runner games. And um, when you've got your first choice three of Thiago, Fabinho, Henderson, if he's at his very best, is he starting? Probably not. Like you're talking about maybe at Anfield against the weaker teams, you might want to go a bit more offensive and have him in for any of those three, just so you don't need to be sitting back as much. But if it was a big game, like if Liverpool were playing City at the Etihad in a title decider, or if they're in Champions League knockout stages, semi-finals, whatever, you'd probably not start starting Naby Keita but that could play into what you, you've just said there. If we're seeing for it from him two, three times a month, that's okay. As long as when he performs, he's putting in the big performances. But he's the sort of player that he needs games to find that rhythm, which was what made Wednesday night a surprise because he's not had the games recently because of injuries. And he came on and put in a performance like that. Um, but then the festive pitches from Liverpool's latest training session have dropped today. He's not in them. And whilst you might think, oh, he's played on Wednesday night, maybe they're just giving him a rest. There's still that doubt in the back of the head. So, oh God, here we go again. Has he got another injury? But you could take a positive out of that. If he's got another injury, maybe that means uh, he'll have to withdraw from the Cup of Nations and he'll be back in time for a, a League Cup semi-final second leg or something. But yeah, there's always going to be that seed of doubt in the back of your head. But when we've said that about Joel Matip for so long and such would, Joel Matip looks like he's put it behind him. Liverpool are managing him very carefully. Maybe Cater can follow that same path in the next year or two. Like we talk about that, that first choice trio, Henderson and Thiago, they're not getting any younger. Cater is coming into his peak years now where he should be playing the very best football. It's up to him to force his way in and make sure he is in that A-list first choice three. If he can stay fit, we know he's got the talent to but it's still that big if that has littered him pretty much ever since he joined the club. 
The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Certainly some positive signs for Naby Keita, as you say. Hopefully there's no more injuries for him for the next few weeks. He can kind of get himself a little bit of rhythm. The, the last player I wanted to, to speak about, Charlotte, was Nico Williams, who I thought was not quite so good in the front three, but moved back to right back and looked pretty good. What did you make of, of him on Wednesday night? And what do you think for his Liverpool future? Obviously, he's not going to get in the team ahead of Trent Alexander-Arnold anytime soon, but it's got to be worth Liverpool keeping hold of him, hasn't it? Yeah, it's a tough one. I mean, obviously started um, in the front three on the right and you feel it. I mean, it's not his position, but you're filling in for the best player in the world there. So whoever comes in in that position, you're kind of comparing him to Salah straight away, aren't you? Like the out, the output that Salah gives and all that sort of thing. So you're kind of fighting a losing battle before, before kickoff, really. Um, and then moving back to right back, um, I mean, obviously, like like you say, we've got Trent there and competition. You, I mean, you're not gonna get you're not gonna get in ahead of Trent. Um, but I feel I feel like there has been a slight improvement from him this season. Like when seeing him play at right back, he's he's not been like last season when I watched him. I just thought I just didn't think he was gonna cut it at Liverpool, even as a backup, really. Um, but he seems to have developed a bit, and but. There's a lot of talk of him leaving, wanting more game time, and it's understandable with his age. Like, not happy to sit on the bench at Liverpool, and fair play to him if that's if he wants to go out and play. You can't you can't criticise him for that. Yeah, there was sort of a ten million pound price tag, I think, Gorsty on his head in the the summer. Obviously, as Charlotte said, potential for him to to possibly leave. Connor Bradley being talked up as as one who could come in and and kind of be the backup. I mean. Where do you stand on on that ahead of January? Is that something that that Liverpool should consider, or, or would that be a little bit of a gamble? I think for me, it, it would be more more the latter, really, in sort of mid mid season at least. Yeah, I agree. Um, I don't think there's any appetite for Liverpool to lose anyone in in January. To be honest, I think in the summer Liverpool were quite keen to make it known that um, certain players were available. You know, you know Phillips as you, you Nico Williams as and. Um, putting the um, well, not necessarily denying that um, teams had been looking around for, for Nico Williams in particular. Um, maybe trying to <clears throat> um, start a little bit of a bid more for him. I'm not sure, but I think the feeling within the, the, the Williams camp himself is he was always determined to stay put and not necessarily fight for a first team opportunity, first team place regularly because, as Charlotte says, you're not getting him. Ahead of Trent, but certainly, um, you know, play as much as, as possible League Cup games, FA Cup games, you know, Champions League game here and there. And I think now looking at it, he's had a fairly decent season. Liverpool, you know, he's played in every round of the League Cup, Liverpool are in the semi finals of that. Um, he's come off the bench a few times in the Premier League, and that is probably about what he can realistically expect to, to do at Liverpool. Um, Klopp said a few weeks ago that um, he's not interested in loaning Nico Williams out. And um, I don't think the Liverpool will be looking to sell him mid-season either. Um, maybe the, the financial aspect might entice them if they're offered 15, 20 million from you know, a, a Newcastle, for example, off the top of my head. But um, I just think Liverpool might prefer to see all hands on deck for the rest of the season with the squad that they've got. Um, aside from possibly Nat Phillips, who um, will be free to leave if um, a good offer comes in. 
yeah, two legs to the semi-final, of course. So could get a couple of games in in January, Nico, at least. You'd think he'd probably play Shrewsbury as well, like one or two more of these players. The Arsenal game, incidentally, has been confirmed for the first couple of, of, of Thursdays of, of the new year. So I'm not entirely sure why it's on a Thursday, but that's when the semi-final will take Liverpool place. solid there. Massive break between Chelsea and the first leg. Put it's the kids out thing, for the FA Cup. And then I think there's a quick turnaround for Brentford after the second leg. But you've got well-spaced everything out. They've done actually as well for Liverpool as they could there. They can focus on actually getting the result in the League Cup. They can beat Chelsea. And then it's just if you have faith to, in the kids to beat Shrewsbury. But the kids did that a couple of years ago. Liverpool can't yeah, complain about that. I think that's it, isn't it? I mean, in terms of the Shrewsbury game being in between the two Arsenal games, how much do you think that might influence the kind of team selection for these Arsenal games? It, it kind of says to me that we might be a little bit more or might be seeing a, a little bit more of a, a strong team in the League Cup than maybe possibly first thought? Um, well, you'll have Andy Robertson back for that first leg, won't you? So you'd imagine that there are going to be a fair few senior players in it. Like He's got to start that Arsenal game and then you have Simicast for Shrewsbury and then you have Robertson for the second leg. And then it's just whether you can do a merger between the two. Um, it's going to be, imagine, stronger than the team that started against Leicester. And then that's the sort of side that you put against Shrewsbury. But the fact that they have got those, that extra day's rest after Chelsea, that, that is a blessing for them. Like They can go full as strong as they want against Chelsea, hopefully knock them out of the Premier League title race, keep the distance with Man City in the process, and then go, you know what, we can actually go for this trophy as well. Like Chelsea have got their semi-final on the Wednesday, so they've not got as kind a turnaround as Liverpool have been given here. And then it's just what you do for the FA Cup. Uh, that is the one you're going to have to have your lesser players in you. You're going to have to play more of the kids. But then if you're saying at this stage, do you want to have a, a bit of a cup run and maybe reach the fourth or fifth round and go stronger in that when you're in a League Cup semi-final? You focus on the semi-final. Like Liverpool could very easily be um, at having this trip to Wembley to look forward to in a few weeks' time. Uh, the, the big concern is that Premier League game against, I think, Brentford, which have pushed back 24 hours at the end of it because of the turnaround there. But then the way you're looking at it... Um, well, you have the players back from COVID, fingers crossed, and there's not any further outbreak. Like we've seen the three lads in training today. Thiago's not there yet, but then you're giving him games to get a bit of fitness back as well. And then they're ready to go for these two Premier League games. Um, I think you have, if you get through against Shrewsbury, the FA Cup fourth round is at the start of February and there's like a weekend off for the winter break there. So considering Jurgen Klopp has been moaning about the, the fixture list and the pressures on his players, quite rightly, uh, it's working out quite nicely for him as long as they don't throw the rearranged Leeds game into the mix of this and go, oh, you've got a free day there, you play Leeds there. If they leave it as it is and keep Leeds for later in the season, uh, Liverpool can manage this quite well, providing they don't get any further injuries and they're not stung too much by the fact that they're losing the three African lads to the Cup of Nations. But they've got enough buddies there to manage this. I think that given that that extra 24 hours rest between the games is going to be vital for them because it's not what they've been having anyway, has it? You think the Premier League Champions League turnaround, this is all pretty much on level, bit kinder than what they've been given there. They, they should have enough to get through. Yeah, certainly no bad thing. And I don't think Gorsia as well in terms of, of the Boxing Day game, obviously Leeds now postponed. I don't think that's a bad thing either. We know Jurgen Klopp has been banging on about it for, for years now. It is absolutely crazy that teams play Boxing Day and then 24 or 48 hours later, I should say 24 would be even worse. But even 48 hours is still you know a crazy turnaround. It, it strikes me that the fact that Liverpool don't play Boxing Day actually is going to help them for that Leicester game absolutely massively. 
Yeah, I think so. It's it's a bit of a double-edged sword, that one, because you look at the amount of goals that Leeds were shipping against Arsenal and Manchester City, and come to Anfield on Boxing Day with a bit of an injury-hit, COVID-hit squad. Liverpool probably were licking their lips at that moment, they? and thinking, let's run up a cricket score and get three points in the bag and, and move on. But um, it's, it's been postponed, and well, there might be a little bit of disappointment for that because Leeds might be you know, significantly stronger for whenever that's rearranged. Liverpool um, do get um, what the best part of six days is it for um, for a good rest for the uh, Leicester rerun? Um, and as Theo mentions, there we have seen pictures of Van Dijk um, back in training today, Curtis Jones and Fabinho. Um, no Thiago yet because he tested positive. Um, what was it, three days or so later after them? So this game might come too quickly for him. But you'd imagine those three are back in contention, which just boosts Liverpool. You know, immensely really. We think Van Dijk is probably going to start. Fabinho will start, and Curtis Jones might even start, given the amount of games that all the rest of the midfielders have played lately. Um, certainly, would expect Tyler Morton to to drop out of the team against uh, Leicester. Um, so yeah, it's a, the, the, the postponement has helped um, in a way, but I think Liverpool would have been a little bit disappointed that they might have thought that Leeds were there for the taking, but. That's not uh, not the end of the world. I think Leeds coming to the field any time of the season, Liverpool will fancy the chances in that one. And I just don't get why. Um, uh, two things really. I don't get why Klopp gets so much stick for speaking out against the fixture scheduling. He's not the only one who does it. Seen quotes from Dean Smith today calling it lunacy to play on the twenty sixth and the twenty eighth. But for some reason, Klopp's words always seem to cut through more with um, supporters of rival clubs and. Um, he always kind of gets a bit blasted for speaking out against the, you know, time on a tradition of festive football. But with six days between Leeds and Chelsea, I don't get why that Leicester game wasn't on the 29th to give it three days either side. Why was it two days after Leeds and four days after, four days before Chelsea? Um, the Premier League kind of justified by saying that there's not less than 48 hours between Leeds and Leicester because one's a 12.30 kick-off and the other's an 8.15 kick-off or whatever it was. But, um, you know, with, with sports science, what it is now and what we know about it, what managers know about it, obviously more acutely than we do, um, just seems very dangerous to be um, playing at such an intense level that quickly. But um, Liverpool don't have to worry about it, I suppose. they just got to focus on Leicester now on the 28th and, and then uh, on they go. Just to finish then, Charlotte, the only sort of bad thing that comes out of this in terms of the, the fixture being postponed is that Andy Robertson can't play against Chelsea. But I suppose Costa Samikas is there, so it's maybe not that much of an issue, certainly less of an issue than it would have been in previous seasons. Yeah, a couple of seasons ago when Simicas wasn't at the club, you'd be thinking, what a disaster. Um, you'd have been thinking James Milner filling in at left-back against some speedy winger who Chelsea have. Um but, I mean, Simicass, Simicass has shown that he can fill in no problem. Um, so, I mean, it's a, it's a blow, Robertson. He's best in the Premier League at what he does, but Simicass is more than capable of filling in for that game. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that just about brings us to the end of the podcast. I think my thanks go to Paul Ghost, to Theo Squires and to Charlotte Coates for joining me and for you, of course, at home for watching and listening to. On behalf of the entire Liverpool Echo, Blood Red and Liverpool.com team, have a very good Christmas if you're celebrating it this weekend. And we'll have plenty more Reds content coming your way 
very soon indeed. This show will be back on Monday with a preview of the Leicester City game. But until then, it's goodbye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.